Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, what are we on? Sunday, December the 13th, 2020. I like to do that when I remember it because there's so many things that we have on the internet now. People have trouble keeping up with when we recorded it live. And so we try to say that. Um, we've been looking at Christmas characters in the Bible. And there's a theme that's going to be hashed over again today that's got to be ingrained within us. These people that were in the Bible that we call characters of Christmas that we've been looking at are people that had uh, two things going for them. They heard from God. That was the first thing. They heard from God. The second thing was they obeyed. Amen? They just did what God told them to do. And that's the, that's the foundation and the groundwork for our relationship with God. Jesus himself said, how many times have we rehearsed this? If you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, anything that Jesus would say to me today in my prayer life is as good as a commandment. Amen? It's as good as him telling me what to do. I want to obey it. I want to follow through. I want to hear first. There are a lot of people that just aren't even in a position to hear. They're not in a position to hear. There's too much noise in their lives. Sometimes we just need to get alone with God, and we need to get quiet, and we need to let him speak. Amen? And, you know, one of the first things I find that's very important is that when God does speak with you, the very next thing you need to do, you need to thank him, and then you need to ask him to help you get it done. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would do it every day. It's not, not easy. God loves to ask us to do things that are beyond our reach so that he can show us a little bit more about him. Amen? So, anyway, I don't know who that's going to be a blessing to, but um, there wasn't part of my sermon notes, but there's no extra charge. All right, Matthew chapter 2. We want to read the first 12 verses, and let's look at these characters that we're examining today. This is the visit of the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, recognize this, that was a king's birthday. Amen. The king's birthday. Amen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? See, king. For we saw his star when he rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod they departed to their own country by another way dynamic story amen I want to share some words with you by way of an introduction today 
We know that long before creatures first roamed this planet, a great king issued a decree and the universe came into existence. Amen? With endless imagination and detail, the king filled the land, waters, and sky with living creatures of every shape, color, and size. Then the king reached down, picked up a handful of loose soil, and breathed into it his own likeness. From the dust, the king made a man to share his happiness. Then he made the first woman. In the garden, home, the, the king planted two trees. He called the one the tree of life, and the other was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The king pointed to the second tree and said, Don't eat from this tree, or you will die. The man and the woman uh, took the king's counsel and shared in his happiness initially. But hiding in the shadows, a rebel watched the caretakers and envied their happiness. Disguised as a friend, the rebel engaged the woman in conversation. And he raised questions that she never thought about. Was the king withholding? What didn't he want them to know? Curiosity got the best of them. Tasting the forbidden fruit, the two suddenly felt afraid and vulnerable. Grabbing leaves to cover, they ran to hide from the king. Life for them would never be the same. Life moved on, seasons passed, a new life came and passed, generations passed. Yet the king kept promising his people, his chosen people, that through them the world would be blessed with the coming of a king a Savior, a Messiah. The promise usually fell on deaf ears. Isn't that just like human nature? If we think that God's dragging his feet, we just tune him out. We just quit listening. God's people, God's own people tested his patience until it reached a point where, if you look into the history of the church, God stopped talking. For 400 years, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God was, I'm going to use the term, relatively quiet. Because I've studied the church age, and even in those 400 years, where people reached out to God, they found him. After 400 long years, the silence was broken by the cry of a baby. A young woman gave birth to a child whose name means Savior. This child grew up to become the servant of servants, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. He was born into our world to restore what was lost in that garden. His story must be told because his story is truly the greatest story ever told. Everlasting joy waits for all who will welcome him into their hearts. His message and his coming was predicted by the prophets. The coming of a Savior surprised just about everybody, though, even though the prophets had prophesied it. The coming of a Savior surprised just about everybody, from his parents to the Jewish leaders to a band of shepherds herding their sheep. But it shouldn't have been such a shock. God's been dropping clues, hints, and outright statements about it for thousands of years. It was announced by an angel and the heavenly host. The birth 
of the long-awaited Savior was announced with nothing less than a heavenly chorus. The shepherds were told, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, according to Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, which we covered just last week. And we also see that Jesus was worshipped by the wise men. Now pay close attention. Why do you call a group of guys who follow a star, thinking it will somehow lead to a newborn king? What do you call this group of guys? Evidently, apparently, you call them wise men. Now listen very carefully. I had a little fun with this. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? All right. You know, I'm, I'm all of a sudden getting a little nervous. I'm a guy who's about to read something he penned about women, and all of a sudden it dawns on me, you may not like it. <laughs> But I think it's accurate, all right? Evidently, apparently, you call them wise men. Of course, we know that if there had been wise women, things would have been different. Now, can you say amen to that before I say another word? You, you, know, you know it would have been different if there had been wise women versus wise men. And I'm going to tell you why. Just a short sentence. Number one, they would have asked for directions earlier. <laughs> I mean, am I right or wrong? Wouldn't they have asked for directions sooner, right? Okay. They would have asked for directions sooner, and therefore they would have arrived earlier. Does that make sense? If they had asked for direct, men like to pride themselves. Well, I'm on time, and I'm always having to wait on my wife. But women are always quick to ask for directions, and men are not. Men are too prideful to ask for directions. So, I just happen to believe that these wise women would have asked for direction sooner and would have arrived earlier. That's just conjecture, right? But it seems almost logical, doesn't it? We're not done yet. <laughs> they would have asked for direction sooner and they would have arrived, uh, arrived earlier. <clears throat> they would have arrived probably early enough to help deliver the baby. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just pondering here, all right? They might have been that early. And, and if they had arrived early, they, some of them wise women should have known something about childbirth, right? So, here's how I wrote it. They would have asked for directions earlier. They would have revived, arrived earlier. They probably would have helped deliver the baby. They would have probably cleaned the stable and, and decorated, you know, made it a little homier, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, look, look, when, in my ministry, we have pastor churches that couldn't afford to pay us anything. Hardly. And, and we live in these places that you think, Lord, you really want me to move my family in here. I'm just being honest with you. All right? And yet Ruth could go in that place and move through it like I call a cleaning tornado, you know? And she'd move through that place. She'd hang this on the wall, hang that on the wall, throw a rug here, rug there, you know? And, and hang some curtains. And next thing you know, it's not just a hole in the wall. It's home. Women. Just know how to do that. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. So they would have probably asked for directions earlier. They probably would have arrived earlier. They probably would have helped deliver the baby. Those wise men weren't going to be doing that. I can tell you that right now. Uh, they helped clean the stable. They would help clean the stable. They probably made a casserole. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? They would have made sure no one was going hungry. Right? Comparatively speaking, do you know why I say that women bring so much more to the table, especially godly women? Amen? You know, probably made a casserole, probably made sure everybody was fed and, 
and warm and dry and, and, and healthy and clean and brought more practical gifts. I'm not saying that the wise men brought bad gifts. They didn't. They brought gifts worthy of a king. Amen. They didn't do anything wrong, right? But, but I, I love Ruth. I've been married to her in January. It will be 45 years, and she helps me understand uh, what women are about, what women do, the wonderful things they bring to this life, that you ladies bring to this life. And I just got to thinking about it, and I thought, man, what if the wise men had been wise women? They'd have done more than the wise men did. They'd have added to their worship practical things, practical gifts. Speaking of gifts, for some reason, I call the wise men truth seekers. For some reason, these truth seekers were convinced that this unique star was destined to direct them to the birth of royalty. That's why they bought the gifts. They didn't do anything wrong. Perhaps they'd read the Old Testament prophecy in Numbers chapter 27, verse 17. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise up out of Israel. One thing is for certain. They followed the star in hopes it would lead them to the truth. I'm telling you, I, I hate to harp on this, but man, I'm just, I can hardly stand to watch television anymore because now I'm convinced there's no truth in it. There's no truth in it at all. There's truth in the king. Amen? There's truth in the king. When the star led them to Jesus, they realized their search for the truth had paid off. They were overjoyed at their discovery. They responded in the only way they felt appropriate. They bowed down and worshipped him, for they realized they were in the presence of royalty, and they gave him gifts fit for royalty. Um, quick review. They gave gold, a gift, a gift worthy of a king. They also gave frankincense. This was a valuable and one of the finest perfumes. It was a special incense used in prayers. And lastly, and I cannot bear this, I bear down on this hard enough for you. I mean, really press it home. And lastly, the most mysterious gift was myrrh. Does anybody know in that day and age, uh, why myrrh? Why did they bring myrrh? Anybody know? You know what it was mainly used for? Burial. It, even at his birth, which grabs me so deeply, one of the three gifts that were brought him as a, as a baby, as a child like that, was something that's used, uh, the Egyptians used it a lot in embalming. It was there uh, for his burial, even at his, the time of his birth. And lastly, like I said, the most mysterious gift was myrrh. This was another perfume or incense which was used for embalming. It was a gift more suited for a funeral than a birth. Even from his infancy, the cross was foretold. We've heard about these gifts given to Jesus. And as I read over the biblical story, what occurred to me was us. He came for us. That's right. He thought about you and me. What hit me about these wise men is that they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know him. I don't think they would have recognized Mary and Joseph and Jesus if they were out taking a walk in the evening and walked right by him. They wouldn't know him. It took the star to show them the very place 
where they would meet the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. They didn't know him, yet they came bearing gifts. They bowed down and they worshiped Jesus. So let me ask you this. I believe with all of my heart that most of us in here today would say we know Jesus. We'd say that. But I'll ask you a difficult question. When was the last time you bowed down to him and really, really worshipped him? What gifts will you bring to Jesus this Christmas? When was the last time you looked at yourself and admitted you aren't the person that God wants you to be, so you stopped and decided with his help you would, you would change who you are? You know, sometimes it takes us going to him. Amen? God's not going to wrestle us to the ground and hold us down and force what's good for us down our throats. You know, that didn't work well when we were children with our own parents. What makes you think God's going to do that to you now? And more importantly, maybe, you know, we say we know Him, but more importantly, does He know us? Now, you can sit right there and, and you can come right up here, look me in the eye and tell me, well, he's God, he knows everything. But does he know us because he knows everything? Or does he know us because we spend time with him? And carry on, carry on with each other. Conversations, amen, back and forth. Those are the times where we get to know him back. As he gets to know us on a personal level. Not because he just knows everything. Because we don't take him for granted. Amen. If we got close right now. How would Jesus know us? He'd know us if we bowed down. And we worshipped him more. We acknowledge. We admit. We claim he is Lord. He's the Son of God. We worship Him because He is the author of all creation. We worship Him because He came into this world for me and you. For a period of time, heaven lost and we gained. Amen. Christ came into this world as a real person for you and me. To bring us forgiveness, to give us hope, to give us a future, to give us mercy and love and power and strength. He came for us. We should always constantly be worshiping him, humbling ourselves or bowing down to him. And we should bring our gifts to him. Our gifts include simple talents, spiritual giftedness that he's given us, our time, our money, all given to him to build his kingdom around the world. Amen. I am so grateful for what God does in our midst. Little Last Spring Bible Church. God does great things for us. In us and through us. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Does everyone have the communion implements with them this morning? Did you grab some on your way in? If you didn't, they're right over there on that table. 
If you don't have it, take the time to get it. I don't care what you got to do. That's if you want to take communion with us. Amen. Isn't it sad that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, the first thing that Paul has to do is rebuke the church. In verse 17, he says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. God help us. Amen? For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Every now and then, the divisions that rise up within the church to show the difference between those who are truly following Christ and those who are failing to follow Christ and obey Christ. Each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God? And humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Man, Paul knew how to get on to people, didn't he? You say, well, how did all this happen? I'll tell you briefly. It's going to take 20 seconds. The early church was in homes. Amen? And they'd have church services in homes. And they dined together often. And when it came time to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, some people just went ahead and overindulged and overate and overdrank and all those things. And there were other people there that were poor who did not have, didn't even have the implements with them to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and they were being withheld from them by people who had them. Ought not to be so. Amen? Let's pick up reading. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Welcome to another testimony service at Life Spring Bible Church. Well, partaking of the emblems of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ today, we're testifying that we're believers, that we believe Jesus Christ is going to return for his church. Amen? Every time we partake, miracles happen. Something happens in us spiritually every time we partake. Listen to me. This is, about the, this is the most dynamic truth I can tell you about taking communion is that it is not neutral. There's nothing neutral about taking communion. You either get it right and good things happen, or you get it wrong and you place yourself in danger. You place yourself in peril. Now, let me read on. How, do we, how, do we, how many of you want to avoid peril? I want to avoid peril. Amen? We're going to do that. Uh, Verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Is that difficult to do? Is that so difficult to do, to get honest with God and, and talk to the Lord, examine yourself? Because here's the thing, I, I always go further, I always ask, Father, uh, let the Holy Spirit help me in Jesus' name to look at myself. But you know what? Damn, one of us in this room didn't walk in here today uh, not knowing something's wrong. Somewhere in our lives, there's something God wants 
that we have failed to give him. Am I right or wrong? I'm right. I'm right. So all you got to do is examine that. You say, well, it's been so hard for me to uh, give that up or change that or let God change it. Talk to him about it again. Amen? Talk to Father about it again. Uh, loosen up in the name of Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit move. Let him touch some things in there. Let him rearrange the furniture. Let him take trash out. Amen? And just let him be God of your life. Let him know a little more of you. Amen? And so, so for as often as you eat, eat and drink this bread and drink, uh, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So I want to fix that. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. God does not want anybody to leave here today without partaking if you want to partake, but he wants you to do it right. Amen? For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So in other words, anyone who just proceeds beyond here without obeying the word of God is entering into a perilous situation, a dangerous situation. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. And I've looked all of these words up. That is why many of you are weak. It says weak and ill. One of them is you're spiritually famished. You're spiritually starving. You're weak. And the other is you're ill. There's illness in your physical body that evidently and apparently doesn't need to be there. If we just get this right. So, we know that spiritual things happen in us, and we know that physical things are our potential. Amen? They're our potential. You know, I'll tell you, listen, I'll just tell you this. You know, you know what keeps me going at 64 years old after I've been a diabetic for 30 years? I will tell you there's, there's nerve damage in my feet. And I couldn't even walk if God didn't touch me. And, and the doctors told me, when my feet started going out for me 20-something years ago, he said, there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do. Well, when I hear words like that, I go, oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is. And go to Father. I stand before you today. My feet, they don't hurt. I mean, there are times when it tries to come back on me. I just go take communion again, or I just drop to my knees and pray and get up and walk. I mean, that's just me. That's just me. But the potential is right here in the Word of God, right? All right. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. But what to say, how do I do that? I examine myself. Amen? That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Some have even died when they didn't have to. You, are you hearing what I'm saying? You can die before your time. I'm not twisting the word here. If we would just get this right, there are people that would be healed that God knows. He'd heal. Amen? But there are people out there by the, by the hundreds of thousands, if not more, that partake of communion in ignorance all the time. All the time, constantly. And in that crowd, some are dying unnecessarily. But if we judged ourselves truly, in verse 31, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Don't get confused. Don't get confused about that. Basically, what that's saying is, wouldn't you rather be judged by you and God today in a service where we're going to partake of emblems that will, that's the cure for what ails us, spiritually and physically, amen? Or would we rather wait until the final judgment 
and be judged by God there. No, I want to be judged now. Judge me, judge me, judge me, Lord. Because I'm his child. He loves me. And I'll live through chastisement. Amen? And I'll live my life corrected. All right? Well, praise God. I wish that everyone of God's children in the day and age of the COVID virus would couple this with Psalm 91. Amen? How in the world would we ever lose? If we couple Psalm 91 with a communion service every day of our lives, right? Man, it'd just all be covered. Amen? Now, here's the thing. We, we talked about this in our Bible study class. It doesn't mean that all the challenges of life are over. They're all gone. It means that if the devil tries to come and put something on you that you don't want no part of, God can see you through it. Amen? He, can, he has your hand, and he can take it at the beginning and walk you all the way through out to the end of the matter. God knows what the end is. Amen? All right. Do me a favor and, and open the emblems of the body and blood of the Lord. Did you notice that Paul said on the same night he was betrayed, God or Jesus prayed over these emblems? Wow. It's amazing. You've got to kind of be good at math or something. He prayed over the emblems. That, we're going to do that right now. I'm going to reach out to God. And you know, you can make another person's prayer your prayer. Just pray it. Amen. Reach out to God. Father, in Jesus' name, while we enjoy this time together of your word working in our lives, I want to take this opportunity, Father, to examine myself. I know what you're dealing with for me. If there be anyone in this room, Father, that doesn't know what you want to touch, reveal it to them, I pray in Jesus' name. And even so, Father, if we can't see it clearly, if we're willing to commit it to you and ask you, Father, to take it from our lives, and just we just yield uh, another part of our lives to you, Father, then we're obeying you. We're discerning the body and blood of the Lord properly. And spiritually, a miracle will take place in our lives today as we're drawn closer to you. And we have the potential for physical miracles to be manifest in our lives. And we give glory and honor to you for that, Father. Lord, I hold in my hands today the emblem of the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the emblem of the shed blood. Cause these emblems, Father, to be to us everything that you would have them to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Shall we partake together of the emblems of the body and blood of the Lord? I'd like to ask everyone to stand with us this morning.